Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Joe Schember, uh, Mayor, I've got a new promo that I play at my show, and you... Uh, two times ago, you called me the mayor of the radio waves, and I'm like, I'm loving that, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm playing that over and over again. Nice. Excellent. Okay, you got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. When, nice. when we're talking about nice. the electromagnetic spectrum, I'm all over it, okay? so <laughs> Excellent. You, <laughs> you're way ahead of me on that, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, uh, it was a week or two ago. That I had Daniel Braybender, Judge Braybender on, talking about the uh-huh. old scholastic sports stars. And I'm, I'm wondering what era that you were coming up like, because uh, you went you went to uh, where? St. Mark's, right? For St. Mark's Seminary to high school, yeah. Yeah. And then Gannon to college. Gannon yeah. to college. So yeah. was are you old enough to the, be in the Essie Hollis era, or was he a bit older than you? I think he was a little older. I remember him. I think he was a like from older Vincent, right? Strong Vincent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, we we're just talking. We we're just dropping names all over the place, right? So, <laughs> so all of these Absolutely. guys, you know, like uh, you know Billy and Bobby Braybender, who were these amazing coaches and and players, and and yes. uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah. what what Judge Braybender said is that there there would be times that a football game at the stadium. You know, East versus Academy or something like that would pull out 20,000 people, you know, in in the 40s and 50s. Can you imagine that now? Yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) You know. It is incredible. uh, Dan and I are about the same age, by the way. Oh, are you? One of us might be a year or two older or something, but yeah, we kind of grew up together. Yeah. He lives a block away from me now. Does he really? Wow. Yeah. He, Yeah. he, uh, He was in the same grade as my brother Angelo at prep. And so he okay. knew he knew Ange. So yeah. So what year? What year did they graduate then? I want to say seventy. Seventy. Okay. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a '68 high school graduate. Okay. So. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was just it was just fun to remember all of these amazing players, uh, you know, that that dominated, uh-huh. you know, the the basketball courts and the football fields right here in Erie. And he was saying that there was a time where track. You know that the, the city track meet was this massive event. Uh-huh. You know, yes, and and yes. so again, this is way before TV and you know all yeah. all all the other things that we can do, right, Mayor? Um, yeah, and cell phones too. That's, that's <laughs> you see everybody. <laughs> that's it. Walking down, the, there's three people walking down the, the road together. They'll all be on cell phones talking to somebody else. You know, it's that's like right. it's a little different. <laughs> it is a little different. Well, hey, let's let's get caught up with you. Uh, you had a big press conference yesterday, and yes. um, and you rolled out. Actually, the last couple times have been very big. There's been a lot of grants coming into the city. Yes. Uh, yes. Like, how is this all working? How are we getting this cash? Well, one of the things I did, which uh, I didn't know it at the time, was probably one of the best things I've done as mayor, is uh, I made Abby Skinner, who's in our economic and community development department, I made her a full-time grant writer. And that was kind of based, honestly, on the uh, the advice of Chris Groner and some others that have been working on this for years. They said the city could really use this. And she's literally bringing in mil- multi-millions of dollars a year in grants. We had uh, 
I think we had just under 700,000 that we talked about on Thursday. And uh, it's, it's incredible what, uh, what she does and she's very good at it. And sometimes I'll get like an email saying about this grant. So I'll forward it to Abby and say, uh, yeah. Hey, I didn't know if you'd seen this. She'll write me, always writes me back and says, well, I applied for that about two months ago or something <laughs> like that. You know? She was on top of it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Way ahead of me. Are they mostly federal grants? Is that where most of this, these dollars are at? I'd, I'd say they're mostly federal, but there are some state as well yeah. mixed in. And uh, she's very, she's very good grant writer. She really knows what she's doing. Uh, she's really helping us a lot with uh, things that we need to get done, helping police and fire, especially. I think, actually, I'll give you a little preview. I think next Thursday, we might be announcing one or two more fire department grants that we haven't announced yet. So I'll give wow. you that little heads up. I can't tell you what they are. But. Okay. Yeah. But, but the, yeah. you'll uh, do the big reveal on Thursday. Uh, it, yes. What you, what you were able to re- reveal uh, a week ago, Thursday was that uh, unique system where they're able to identify uh, where the call for the fire, the, the call for the fire department is coming yes. from, like yeah. almost like a picture of the building or, you know, something in yes. Google, like using, using that GIS data information to get uh, the, the proper number of uh, amount of equipment and personnel to the fire. Yeah. Those fire department grants uh, a week ago were really, really incredible. And uh, uh, another one of them, uh, another grant they got really will help them get out of dangerous burning buildings if they're, they feel trapped or, uh, and that obviously is going to save lives and save a lot of injuries to firefighters. Yeah, it was like actually like a bag that they could have as kind of an emergency to yeah. to be able to escape. Um, yes. Yesterday, um, big big news because you were basically announcing two new um, positions. Now, I'm, I'm, tell me about Lori Pickens and what her function is going to be with that community anti-violence uh, grant that you were talking about yesterday. Yeah. She's in our economic and community development department. I'm proud of the fact she's an African-American woman. She's going to be working with, with our inner city for, for, for ways to, to make them safer, baby. Uh, basically she'll be right on the ground. Uh, we're probably going to try it. We're tr- right now. She's working at city hall, but we're trying to place her out in the community somewhere where she can work and uh uh she's kind of starting the study process for this grant it was almost a million dollars the amount of the grant and she's initiating the study process and then we'll be implementing what she recommends uh next year and and what is her prime directive what is she attempting to do is it is it community connection is she kind of leveraging the groups that are already there all of the above what is it yeah it's definitely both of the above that you yeah. said there, you know, to try and understand what's going on. How can we make it better? But also, most importantly, working with the people that are already there, not trying to go over their heads or do yeah. things without them, but involve everybody in the process. And and it seemed like that announcement kind of was in line with Unified Erie. And, of course, I, I, I've been involved with that since 2013, uh, especially oh. when, when we were doing the religiosity uh, focus uh, you know, the whole take me to worship campaign to kind of build on the protective factor of the 40 assets. But what what you guys are working on uh, with the DA, with the uh, with the Mercier Civic Institute and so on uh, has to do with uh, not only the call, the call ins, but also uh, some of the some of the uh, anti-recidivism um, yes. work. Right. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Jack De Niro was with us uh, on Thursday also yesterday talking about that. And basically, we're trying to, first of all, take people that might be leaning towards that life of crime and turn them away from it by showing them, showing number one, the police know who you are. They, yeah. they always, at these events, which are private, they, and there's usually anywhere from six to 12 uh, individuals that have been identified as maybe leaning towards a life of crime. And we have a private meeting with them. And there's several of us there that, that speak, including a couple of very impressive people. Uh, one is a woman who's lost a couple children to gang violence. And, and, a, and another, a couple others are uh, men that had kind of been going towards a life of violence. And some of them had, have spent some significant time in prison also, but they've turned their lives around now. And they're kind of warning these young kids that are late teens, early 20s that, hey, you know, this is what's ahead of you if you keep down the path you're going, but we're giving you an opportunity to go on down a different path now. Please take that. Yeah. We also They also get really warned. The police know who you are. They know what you're doing. If you keep on this path, you're going to end up in jail. There so was a whole... Half scaring, yeah, them, yeah, half it, scaring them, but also half offering yeah. help. We can help you not, you know, not do this. Sorry. It, no, no, that, no, Mayor. Yeah. The, I mean, it's... You know, they have a couple choices there. They They could go down that road that could lead them to jail because they're well known uh and and i think the da says we're going to throw everything at you but yes. that, but but what you make them aware of all of these great services that would be available if they were to make the the, the opposite choice and and stay away yes. from crime you know yes um yeah. you also mentioned yesterday this new position with uh uh, with the city police department, as far as yes. intelligence, can you explain that for us? Yes, it's a totally grant funded, uh, and it's something the police really need, but they just none none of our existing police officers have the time or the skills, the ability to do this. It would be a learning session, so we're we're trying to attract. And I think we've already gotten some pretty good uh, applications for this position, but we're trying to attract. They'll be going through them. And we'll, again, there's no cost to the city to this at all. It's all funded by a grant for salary and benefits. And this person will really be helping us figure out, you know, kind of what we should be doing to not only catch criminals, but also hopefully try to prevent young kids from going down to that life of crime. So what what is the data that they're going to be analyzing? Is it, is it geographic? Is it demographic? I mean, what what is their purpose? What What is the whole role there? Yeah. I, I think it has a lot to do with uh, data. You know, the police, I, I think they go out on about 60,000 calls a year in that neighborhood. I mean, every day they're anywhere from 140 to 180 calls every day of the year, Monday through, you know, Sunday, every, you know, all seven days. And there's policemen on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, so, to, and I, our chief gives us a report now every every day on what happened the previous day. And uh, in, in the summer, I can tell you, unfortunately, things really go up. We, uh, we're in right. the high hundreds, you know, 160, 170, 180. Uh, but now with fall coming on, we can see they're coming down. It's more like 140, 150. And also the calls haven't, haven't been as serious for the last week or so here with the weather cooling down a little bit and uh, you know, fall coming. So that, uh, that's been good. But this person, uh, and I, to be honest, it would be better to have the police on talking about this. Yeah, I, but I can I can book that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure Dance Mazzarni or one of his assistants, uh, John or Mike Nolan, would be good to come on. Uh, they know a lot more about it than I do. But and they're very, I can tell you, they're very excited about this position. They think it's really going to help them and help their police. The police will be more effective based on what this person learns, analyzes, and then presents to them. So it basically, it's another resource to allow yes. da- them to make more data-informed decisions uh, on the command yeah, staff, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, all, it's also filling a gap that we don't have right now. We yeah. don't have all that statistical data that this individual will generate for us. Yeah, the, again, to talk to those guys, it would be interesting. You, you know, this is not uh, you know, B-Cop, you know, just kind of being a, a deterrent. You've got to be yeah. able to embrace the 21st century and, and all, the, all the bells and whistles that you have available with you. When you start using body cams, the amount uh, of crimes, like the amount of complaints just drop precipitously because people start behaving you know uh is that true i mean that is definitely what the statistics say we certainly uh, hope that happens uh but uh and you know you you never hear this but i think it's also true that police behavior improves they're not going to be quite maybe as aggressive or because they know it's all being recorded as as they go through it so uh we really think this is this is good and i can tell you when i you know when i campaigned that's one of the things i campaigned on back in 2017 and uh, the chief, when I hired Chief Spazarni as the as the police chief, he was definitely supportive of it. But he took uh, almost like two years to study it. And I got a little impatient a couple of times and asked him, "Hey, when are we doing the body cams?" But what he was, what I learned later, what he was really doing was educating the police about what this would mean for them. And he gained over that couple of years of studying it. And they looked at four different companies, and they actually had for a couple months for each, they had samples that they could try and use and see what they like best. But it really won the police over, the, the, okay. the guys that are out on the street and the women that are out patrolling. And uh, I think the, there's probably still some that are maybe a little opposed, but the majority, I think, believe it's a good thing and look forward to implementing October 1st. So, yeah, that, that's going to be a huge change. And, and, and again, it's more than just uh, you know, somebody wearing an iPhone on their on their oh. you know on their chest. It is this big system. It's a cloud based. Uh, you know, they have to catch all these recordings and so on and and make yeah. them available. It's a real crime fighting tool, I think. Yeah. And the chief actually went a step further, and I asked him to. He actually added uh, cameras for the vehicles, the patrol okay. vehicles. So they'll not only be the body cameras, but they'll also be cameras on the patrol vehicles. So you'll have a couple of different angles because you don't see everything in every picture. Uh, and again, he, he did win a lot of support from police as they understood what this was going to mean for them and how they could use it. Are you um, are you surprised pleasantly or, or otherwise that uh, after the riots of May 30th, that things have been pretty relatively quiet since then? Yes, I'm very pleased with that. I think it says a lot for our community. Uh, basically, that kind of violence doesn't do any good. Uh, it, it, if anything, it sets things back. Uh, we really believe, I don't know that we have any evidence of this yet, but we believe there's some kind of out-of-town group here inciting that uh, to happen, although everybody arrested uh, as a result of that night was an eerie resident from what I understand. Right. and There was something like 18, I think, people arrested. Uh, and our, you know, our, our police learned a lot. I think if hopefully something like that will never happen again. If it does, I think they'll know how to handle it a lot better. And uh, 
it's uh was not a good experience it was kind of you know, I, I, I'm an early to bed, early to rise guy. And I was sleeping when that all started. But when my wife saw what was going on, she woke me up about 1130. And uh, I just sat there with my jaw open. I couldn't believe what, because they're showing it live on TV. Yes. I could not believe what was going on in downtown Erie. Uh, there were, uh, I believe there were like 17 police officers that were hurt. Mm. Because you know, when you look at those videos, you see people throwing bricks at them. They're shooting fireworks at them. They're, they're throwing frozen water bottles at them. And uh, uh, we have at least one police officer that may have to end his career because wow. of the injury he got. It's, uh, but, you know, we're still hoping he'll recover, but it's not been going well. Uh, was that so the was one a, that had his uh, kind of his knee blown out by the, the yes. mortar? That's yes. horrible. Uh, yeah, that, that really is bad. Uh, and again, we don't want anything like that to happen again. Uh, we're working hard to try to get everybody to work together and, and that violence, I just don't think it ever does any good. Uh, and it's, it's kind of an excuse. I mean, what good does it do to break windows to start right. fires inside of businesses, which was happening down below uh, Perry square on sixth street. And I don't know if those people knew it, but there were people living upstairs from where they're laying the fires. Yes. Uh, now the police got all those put out in, in good time. So there's no danger to those people, but, you know, what could have happened, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was scary. And uh, that kind of thing, we just cannot tolerate. Did you have, a, have you had any conversations with the mayor of Lancaster? I mean, of all places in Pennsylvania, Lancaster, you know, this, uh, you know, sleepy yeah. Amish town has really bad violence in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they have. And I have not had uh, okay. uh, yeah. uh, any conversations with her. Yeah. Um, so. The, you know, we had uh, uh, Bishop Brock on, I think it was yesterday, and he was talking about how, uh, you know, his his unified clergy group has been able to connect with the uh, command staff of Erie Police and Erie Fire. Um, we're really working on future and long-lasting solutions here when it comes to racism and, and uh, social justice, aren't we? We, we really are, and he is doing a great job. I've known him for a lot of years. I've worked with him, uh, taught in his school back when I was still at PNC Bank years ago. And uh, another African-American pastor, Lamont Higginbottom, mm. is running an event tomorrow. I don't know if you heard about that. No, go Where ahead. He's bringing in a bunch of kids, mostly minority kids, at his church there on, on East 26th Street. And uh, he... He also has invited the police, the sheriff, and I, I know the police chief is going. Some of our police are. It's at Second Baptist Church on East 26th Street. It goes from noon to three. There's going to be hot dogs and just a chance for, uh, you know, those kids and various police officers to get to know each other as people and, and get gain some uh, mutual respect there. So uh, I think that's going to be a, a very neat event. I plan to be there at least to the beginning of it to welcome everyone and uh I've got a couple other events I've got to get to as well tomorrow, which my wife's not too happy about, yeah, by the way. Right. She looked at my calendar today. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I'll be, I, I have like six different events. I'm going to try to make appearances at each one from about uh, 11 in the morning to about two in the afternoon. But I promised my wife I should be home by 2.30. And, then and the, go and and the campaign shopping. doesn't even start till after New Year's, Mayor. Come on. <laughs> you're, right. you're right. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. let, well, I mean, you've been talking a lot about you know, passing out popsicles and lollipops and, yes. and, you know, meeting kids at, at parks and things. What's your takeaway? Like, I mean, are you, 
you're we're, what are we trying to accomplish here? I think it does mean a lot uh, when we get to know each other as people. And I can tell you, growing up, I grew up in a white environment. You know, I think the first African-American I met ever, I was a junior in high school already. And he was a freshman up at St. Mark's Seminary. He had joined the seminary. And I, I loved basketball. That, that was always my sport. And uh, I was a good player for St. Mark's, at least. I don't know how to bit at a bigger school. Uh, but, and of course, then I saw an African-American a freshman and I thought, Hey, a good basketball player. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time in the gym together and he left after his freshman year. Uh, and to be honest, he wasn't as good a basketball player as I had imagined in my right. mind, but yeah. you know, I did form a relationship with him and that's, you know, the first person of color. And, and now over the years, I've formed many good uh, relate relationships with African Americans, especially as mayor. Now I, I did the same when I was working at PNC bank for 40 years. We're with the mayor of the city of Erie, Joe Schember. And, uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, we were just talking uh, off mic about how, uh, you know, you 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 get to get to the fifth floor every once in a while, but still, most folks are working outside uh, of yes. City Hall. Tell us the latest about getting City Hall back uh, online. We, my plan is not to reopen City Hall till there's a vaccine for COVID nineteen, uh, and that's probably still months away. Uh, it's my best guess at that. Uh, I just if uh, if we opened and uh, one of the employees got seriously sick as a result of someone that came in and infected them, I could uh, never forgive myself for that. Uh, so and I can tell you, everything you could do in City Hall, you can do now either by phone or with your computer, and it's much more efficient and much quicker than coming downtown, paying for a parking space, walking it. You know, it's just so much easier. Uh, we will reopen obviously uh, once it's safe to do that. But I can tell you another thing we've been thinking about when we reopen, and we have some studies going on right now. Right now, anybody can go just about anywhere in City Hall, uh, any floor, uh, any room that's unlocked, and uh, that doesn't seem safe. Right now, when you walk into City Hall, you're not checked. You don't have to. You're not checked for weapons. Uh, and as you know, you go into the county courthouse, you have to walk through a detector and. Uh, the police check you and they frisk you if they need to. And uh, so we're probably going to implement something like that. We've got a, we're hiring a company to kind of give us some recommendations. And we're also going to control access to the upper floors at City Hall. Right now, you can go in a stairwell or get on an elevator, go to literally any floor and any room. And I've had complaints from some employees that sometimes some kind of strange looking people were up near their office yeah. or in their office even. So, uh, we will be making some changes before we reopen to control access a little bit better as well. So the things that people would normally do at City Hall, which would basically maybe be pay uh, pay for their taxes or pay a, a parking ticket or what have you, uh, how is that all happening right now? Basically, the tickets are paid by dropping them in through, uh, the State Street side of City Hall. There, there's a couple boxes you can put your payments in, or you can, of course, mail them in as well. Or you can pay, you can pay online, you know, through uh, an online service. Uh, so th- that's kind of how all the, the payments are, are being made. Uh, and the treasurer's office empties that, that box in the front of city hall every, and it's, it's secure. You know, you're right. actually putting it in, into the building, mm-hmm. uh, but they empty that every morning and clean it out. And uh, 
I get uh, pretty regular reports uh, on uh, how, how things are coming in. And so far, the payments have actually been a little higher this year, believe it or not, than, than they were last year. And uh, like it's, I think at this point last year, they had like 97% of all tax payments, the school, county, and the city done. And now, and now they're at 97%. They're like a, a percent higher, percent higher than yeah. they were a year ago, which, uh, which is good. I mean, we didn't know, you know, how that's going to, you know, how COVID-19 and we, you know, we were in double digits with people unemployed for a while. Was that going to impact the payment? But it doesn't seem to have, at least not significantly. You are still suffering as far as during this budget year from a deficit because there's just not as much commerce going on right now, right? I mean, because you yes, get a are. you get a piece of the sales tax or or right or earned That's income right. tax yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a lot of fees and things that people pay when things are busy, and you know that's not being paid now. We we figured we're we're the most recent numbers I got. We were a little over four million below where we expected to be at this point in revenue, but we were also a million below, a little over a million below where we expect to be in expenses. Mm-hmm. So net, we were about three point one million below where we thought we'd be, and that's kind of projecting until the end of the year, uh, and that's kind of a worst case as well. We may be uh, our worst case scenario is we'll be about three point one million below what we had projected we'd be at. You know, so, I'm, I'm kind of a data geek. I, I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, like during the middle of the lockdown, like March, April, May, if 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 like you save money that way because because fire trucks were not rolling and so the overtime might have been decreased and and crime was actually on the minimum. I remember talking to the coroner. The coroner said deaths have dropped off precipitously. Uh, did, yeah. did I mean, did you notice in that second quarter any significant savings during the lockdown? Yes, especially with police and fire. Uh, much less overtime uh and also, uh, especially a lot of the police weren't taking any vacation, uh, so you didn't have to fill in for somebody that's on vacation either. Now, eventually, they hopefully they will take their vacation and get it in. Right. Uh, but it was, yeah, it's definitely it was di- you know, definitely an impact there from COVID nineteen. Wow. Yeah. The, and again, uh, it's making everybody reevaluate, like like you are. Uh, y- it, it it does occur to me that you just walk into the city hall. You can go either uh, hallway to the elevators and go pretty much anywhere where you want to go. If you want to go yeah. to the mayor's office, shoot right up to the fifth floor, you know. Um, That's right. And I'm, I'm sure there's been some stories of the mayors over the years of uh, some issues about all that open access. All right. Um, there have been. Yeah, so so you so the plan is wait till we have an vaccine, but also kind of kind of rethink all that. It sounds like that's right, and we want some sort of entry process as well, where people have to go through and you know be scanned and uh, make sure they're not carrying a weapon, that sort of thing. Do you feel um, that uh, your outreach, as far as diversifying the workforce, especially public safety, has that kind of had to take a back burner because of COVID, because of all these other issues that that we've been dealing with? I mean, um, how's that? How's that? You know what yeah. what Michael Outlaw's been working on, and so on. Yeah, I don't think it's taken a back burner. We've continued to work on it. I can tell you, Michael and I have been a little bit frustrated by 
what we see as the lack of success with how, as much effort as we put into it. But I, I'm really enthusiastic about how things are going to go in the future because uh, you know, we, we now have Tom Lennox, the, the yeah. African-American police officer who runs the Police Athletic League. He is now fully funded for the next two years. And he his focus will be building relationships in minority communities and trying to recruit people to take the police test from uh, minority communities. He, he was very successful this year in getting a lot more minorities to take the test. And I'm really happy to tell you that one of our top scorers in the test this year is an African-American gentleman who will definitely be hired uh, based on the turnover we expect sometime yeah. next year. Wow. And uh, he's, he, yeah, he, they have to have certain credentials to be hired. Have, and he's gone back to get those credentials so that he'll be ready to be hired. So I'm real pleased with that. Yeah, and, and we've had that conversation, Mayor, and I think I've even talked to the police uh, chief about it. Whereas, you know, uh-huh. I mean, because you get points if you have military experience, but you, ha- you get score. ten points yeah. to your score. Uh, so, but if you're if you're a person of color coming out of the military, you've got a whole range of things that you're qualified oh. to do. And right. and let's just let's just face facts right now. Uh, being a, a law enforcement officer is, is is a super stressful, tough job. There's there's a lot of negativity around it right now in the press, and so yes. if, if if you know if I were a high capacity person coming out of out of uh, the army or the navy or the air force, it's like, do I even want to bother with that? You know? Yes, uh, that's that's a really a good question, and I can tell you most police officers, I believe, feel called to do that. Sure. Like I never felt called to do that. I don't think I could. I don't think I could function well in that job. And I think most people are that way. Uh, but there are, there are, there is that small group that just is like impassioned about, and they love that that kind of work. And uh, I don't know if they love the danger of it, but yeah. it's exciting to them, and they. Uh, uh, those are the kind of people we want to uh, attract. We're trying to change the approach a little bit because years ago, the police didn't talk to you unless you're committing a crime or something and they had to arrest you. Uh, but now we're trying to uh, do things like like uh, tomorrow at uh, Lamont Hickenbottom's church where let the kids get to know the policemen as people so that they may consider becoming one at some point down the road as well. All righty, let's let's pivot to the Bayfront. Uh, City Council had a had a uh, a public hearing last night, uh, trying to get a handle on where the city is at uh, with PennDOT, because uh, there's a lot of activists uh, that are against w- this design right now. But what we were hearing out of City Council, out of out of uh, David Brennan and and even the leaders of our West Bayfront and the Bay. The Bay, uh, Bayfront Eastside Task Force is that this design is is uh, a hopeful and positive design. What do you, what what's yes. your take on all this? Uh, I like the design. Uh, we had last night. We had uh, thirty four speakers. Uh, it went from uh, five thirty till nine thirty. Oh my! Uh, but it was uh, I, I participated in the whole thing basically as a listener. I took a lot of notes as we went through. I can tell you of the 34 people that spoke, uh, 10 were very positive about the uh, PennDOT's proposal, and 24 were negative about it, or some portions of it. Uh, it varied a little bit by person, but 24 were 
saying you got to change it a little bit or you shouldn't do it at all anywhere in that range. But of those 24 or five of them, at least five of them were not from Erie. They're from as far away as uh, Brooklyn, New York. And they were kind of experts in fields talking about it. Uh, And I can tell you, uh, my team and I had a meeting today. uh, And, uh, you know, at first I was a little depressed, you know, after listening for the four hours. But uh, our, our engineer, John Tushak, basically said he got some ideas, actually. He wasn't expecting that. But he got some ideas about how we might do this a little differently and make it more acceptable to everyone, which is what we want to do. There were definitely some uh, things they were just wrong about. Like they said, this uh, it's going to bring more traffic to the Bayfront Highway. Well, the truth is there's about a $5 million project going on before the Bayfront Highway to make 12th Street faster to get across. PennDOT is doing things like uh, timing signal, signal, traffic signals better, replacing some, taking some out. Uh, and so uh, what we're hoping is that if, if we move forward with this, which we really want to do, traffic will have to go up to 12th Street to go across if they see how much faster it is. Right. And some of the things that are being done down at the Bayfront will slow down the traffic. Yeah, the uh, roundabouts, like the, certainly. The roundabouts. And at, at the State Street, where they have to go through a tunnel, if they're, just, if they're not turning on State to go under, uh, they tell us that that slows down people. Uh, so we're hoping to slow down the traffic a little bit on the Bayfront, speed it up on 12th, and then people during the construction, if they get used to 12th and see, hey, this is this is good, uh, that hopefully they'll stay up there to get across town. Uh, I can tell you my, my team and I talked about a few things which, uh, this morning, a few possible changes. I probably better not talk about them now because we haven't even – Talk to Penn about it. Is this possible? You're not gonna, yeah, you're not going to litigate this over the media, right? So, <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. But, well, uh, well, that's good. We some... It sounds like it, it was a positive experience to get some ideas last night. It, it was. It was. And we really want to try to make everybody happy about what's going on down there. And the whole idea is to get the Bayfront focused on the Bayfront, making it easy for Lower East Side and West Side residents to get down there, make it easy for pedestrians and bicyclists on state or Holland or, to, you know, to get down and back. Uh, that, that's the purpose of this. And that's what we want to see happen and move that cross town traffic up to 12th street. There you go. Uh, boy, if we can accomplish that, it'll be much better. And I think the Bayfront will grow much faster than as well. Uh, yeah. And again, you have kind of two competing um, things at play here. You need you know, efficient access. If you have an event, it never fails. You're, you're going to, you know, I'd go to the collegiate graduation, collegiate academy graduation at the Bayfront. And we would just sit in that line trying to leave graduation forever. It just took forever. And so having that roundabout oh. so that you can move traffic around would, would be amazing. So you need you yes. need to be able to be somewhat efficient with vehicular traffic to these uh, even as we grow these assets like Harbor Place and you know we've got a couple hotels you know, now we're to, now we're up to four hotels right on the bayfront yeah. there and and then you know UPMC needing access and so on so you got that part of it but then you definitely need it to be a, a place where people can have a sense of place and not be a super highway and so. Uh, I'm sure, again, these urban engineers are much smarter than I am, but uh, I, I hope that that's what we're able to accomplish there. Because, uh, And I've even been quoted as saying, uh, you know, we only have one shot at this. We have to get it right. This is, this is it for the next 50 years, basically. Yes. 
and yes. we've got yeah. to get it right. And so, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to rush into it, but we've got that sixty million dollars that if yes. we don't use it in a reasonable amount of time, we'll lose it, and the chances are we'll never get any money like that again. I'm, so I'm, right. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because Elaine Chow is talking about Erie PA and, and that grant. You know, I mean, is it remarkable to yes. you the kind of the high end kind of horsepower coming from, frankly, President Trump's cabinet making connections with the city of Erie and our officials? That's pretty remarkable stuff. It is, and they were in town. A bunch of his officials. There must have been five or six of them were in town earlier this week to tour EDDC and. And I had a chance to meet with them for about an hour. Uh, and they did, they weren't political. They were trying to convince me to vote for anybody. But they did say some things sometimes that kind of pointed out that, you know, their administ- what their administration is doing. Right. They're not going to change my vote. But uh, right. Right. Uh, but still, I'm, I'm happy to work with – I don't care what anybody's political party is. I'm happy to work with everybody for what's good for Erie. Speaking of which, let, let's talk about this. You're, you're mentioned in the mayor uh, – in the paper – that uh, you know the big rallies that might be coming to Erie uh, will not have will not get a bill. But let's talk about big rallies in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Eric Trump came to the Bayfront. They tried to keep it to two fifty. Who knows what the number ended up being? Uh, do you think that we're going to have a busy season with politics in the next five weeks? I guess I haven't heard anything about uh, either Biden or Trump coming to Erie yet. Uh, and the day after uh, Adam Trump was here, uh, Biden's wife did a uh, Zoom meeting right. with, with us. Uh, so uh, they both have had some exposure. Uh, and I think you know, one of the mistakes Hillary made four years ago was not coming. Uh, uh, so I haven't, heard, I haven't heard at this point, though, of either of the candidates actually appearing in Erie. And like you said, we're only about five weeks away now. So it it may happen. It, it could happen. You know, you might we might get a a hangar visit at North Coast uh, Aviation or or y- anything could happen. All right. Um, uh, I I I want to I want to finish up with you, Mayor. But we got to talk about the census. Okay. So, okay, um, uh, uh, how are we doing? And are we going to be able to kind of thread the needle of kind of the goals that you and, and the the census, the Erie County Census Committee has formed for this self-representation uh, of the census? Yes. Yeah, we're at about – and that's the one number we know. We don't know how many uh, census has been completed by census workers, by going door-to-door. The canvassers, yeah. Yeah, canvassers, yeah. But we do know the number that are self-reported. It's about 64.5% right now. Uh, Ten years ago when we did the census, we were around 69%. So we set a goal of let's get at least a 70%. And uh, I can tell you my team, led by Renee Lamus, has been doing an incredible job. Uh, they got all kinds of stuff printed, got it out to people. And now what they're doing is scheduling uh, with a lot of our businesses time that census workers can go to the business. Uh, and businesses are giving permission for their employees to take five or 10 minutes with a census worker and complete the census. We've had several businesses where 100% of the employees have now reported. One of the things I've learned, you know, it's census has been really on our minds and top priority for several months for it, those of us in our administration. But uh, 10 years ago, I, I hardly even knew the census was going on. I certainly completed it. But uh, and most people and I've been out at some of these door to door and we, we've been in front of some local 
small grocery stores and talking to people. When you talk to the, you know, when you say something to people, they didn't even seem aware of the census. Amazingly enough, wow. like, you know, it's been in the front of our mind for months, but, uh, and then when you explain it to them how easy it is, they're very happy. We, we've got computers there, laptops that we can do it on, help them with it. And I haven't seen one person that's, that's said no, you know, minorities, and new Americans and immigrants and refugees are the ones that tend not to report. And oftentimes, especially with immigrants and refugees and new Americans, we'll ask somebody if they've completed the census, they'll say no, and then they'll agree to do it. And there's 10 people living in that one house. Yeah. <laughs> and you start counting that, up the money. It's like, hey, that's $210,000 over the next 10 years of federal right. funding. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And that's somebody that, probably wouldn't have done the census if there hadn't been somebody there that talked to them about it. And I've seen that happen several times at these events. We're doing more and more of them right now. And hopefully that's going to push our numbers up. Was, was September 30th always the deadline or wasn't it October 31st at one point? It was point? October 31st. And there was a judge. Yes. I think it was yesterday that just said, it's got to go till October 31st. Okay. And that the re- final report to the, to the president won't be due till I think it's April 1st then instead of uh, January 1st. So uh, now I don't know if that could be challenged obviously, but we haven't heard anything about that yet. And again, I think that was just yesterday we heard that. So we're kind of gearing up to keep trying to get people to do the census till the end of October. Now I, I, I'm trying to figure out why the heck the census would be political at all. Mayor. Well, I, but, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I mean, really? I mean, I mean what's what's political about the census, for goodness sake? Well, I just put it this way. If you were president and you thought if, if more people file the census and register to vote, I might not get reelected. Uh-huh. You might be not trying to encourage people to do the census. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. But you're but you're right. And it, it, from a local point of view it really gets you much more federal money. And it's incredible the amount of federal money there is literally billions of dollars every year Uh, and hundreds of, it's actually hundreds of billions of dollars every year uh, that's available to communities. And the higher your census numbers are, the more that you get. That's, that's definitely motivated us this year. You know, I, I, I can't imagine that there's this kind of, uh, you know, pedal to the metal approach in in a go go town like a Nashville or uh, a, a Charlotte. But for us, where we've lost so much over these last sixty years, we absolutely have to have uh, as much representation uh, uh, by the census uh, for the greater uh, community for the greater country uh, than than we've ever had. And so, uh, my yeah. my hats off to you guys. But boy, this is this is. This is tough work. There, there are some goofy things with the census of like, you know, how do you count your college students or should I count that baby that was born? Oh, they just got they were just born, you know, or and all that stuff. I think that's where people get kind of confused. Yeah, if you're in doubt, count everybody. <laughs> just, I think this, <laughs> the college students are supposed to be counted because they spend most of their time at the college or right. university. I think they're supposed to be counted there. And I know. Gannon, Mercyhurst, Edinburgh, Penn State Baron, they've had some efforts to get them to report as well. Uh, but yeah, anyone alive should be reported. All right, I got one minute left with Mayor Joe Schember. Lerda, how's it looking? Are you are you still getting those building permits coming through? 
We are. I haven't announced it in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're, we're from the last time I announced we were up uh, around 67 million and we're up about 800,000 from them. I'm waiting for a bigger jump before I, I do another announcement and I'm hoping okay. to see something like that soon. But it's it's continuing to go very well. I, ca I can't help but re think about when the city and the county and the school district agreed to do this. And of course, it was me pushing for it. But the school district, the county said, well, how are we going to know if we're successful? And they said, you have to have at least uh, two uh, 20, uh, it was, was 20 million, right? 20 million. Thank in you. two years. 20 million dollars worth in two years. Yes. And now we're a little over a year in. We're at 67 million. We'll probably still talk about it uh, next summer. Like, what do we want to do? Uh, but, you know, it's it's been very successful and uh, very pleased with it. We want to I definitely want to continue it. I, I agree. Uh, Mayor Joe Schember, always a, a joy to have you on the air with us here at Talk Erie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joel. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>